Good morning. I'm glad to be here with you today. I hope you're glad to be here. Seems like I've been all over the world since I was here last time, and I am glad to be home. I'm glad to be back here with the congregation. Glad to have all of you here with us today. We are in the midst of a series talking about the the last Oh, a couple of months or so of Jesus' life. It began with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And the Scriptures tell us that when that happened, the apostle, not the apostle, but the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they said, this is it. We've got to kill this guy. Because we, we, there's nothing else we can do to stop him. And so they determined at that point to really make an effort to determine a way to kill Jesus Christ. And we talked about him, the things that he did beginning at that point, to the time that he goes to the cross. What are things that happened? Where did he go? What did he say? What did he do? We talked about him going and talking to the rich young ruler. We talked about him healing a woman. We talked about so many things. Last week we saw the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And now he's at Jerusalem. He's gone down to Bethany and he's been anointed in preparation for his death. And here today he is challenged by the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees were a small group of Jewish leaders. And they were a small group, but they had a lot of power. They had the high priest and, and all of his, his court, so to speak. They were the ones with the political power of the day. And they had very different belief system than the Pharisees who are the major players when you read the New Testament. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe that man had a spirit. They didn't believe in a resurrection. They believed very much like a lot of the modern day Jews believe that this life is this life and you do the best you can and when you die it's over. They didn't have the same belief system. And I want to talk about a question that they asked Jesus about the resurrection. And they felt like they had him trapped, but I want to introduce that with a story of something that happened to me when I was in college. I'd taught the gospel to a friend of mine, and she'd obeyed the gospel. She'd become a Christian, and she began to worship. And, you know, she was raised in a home where they didn't have any religion of any kind. And we studied the Bible, and she heard lessons, and she was reading the Bible. And one day I came out of class to my car, and there was a note on the windshield of my car. And it had this scripture written on the note, and it said, I don't understand this. And I want to read it with you today. It said, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Now that was her question. She understood that this is all going to end, right? It's all going to burn up. It's all going to be gone. We went this week, I was in Canada and in uh, Seattle, and I saw some beautiful forests and beautiful ocean, and it was just fabulously beautiful. It's all going to burn up. It's going to be gone. She understood that. What she said is, how can anyone look for and hasten to the coming of that day? She said, I believe it's all going to be burned up, but I don't want that to happen while I'm alive. <laughs> right? 
Can you understand that? I mean, can you identify with that just a little bit? That, you know, I've got a beautiful grandbaby. I want her to grow up and to get married and to have children so I can have great-grandchildren. And, and, I mean, there's a lot of good in this life. And for us to have the attitude of, boy, I can't wait till this is burned up and gone, just seems, seems counterintuitive to those of us who have a good life. Now, when I go to Nigeria, there's some folks over there that live in a world that they'd be going, yeah, burn it today, right? Because it's a bad world, a bad place to live, very difficult life. But for us, it's hard to identify this. It's hard to get your, get your teeth into that spiritually where you can get spiritually to a point in your life where you will really say, you know what, I can't wait. I can't wait till we get to this point. I believe this is, this question is what Jesus gives us an answer to when he answers the Sadducees. And that answer, I believe, is found in resurrection. Because you see, they're not looking for and hastening to the destruction. They're looking for and hastening unto what happens when the destruction comes not the destruction itself. Now let's go back and look. Jesus, Jesus is talking and says, Then some of the Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection came to Him. They didn't believe in a resurrection because they didn't believe in a spiritual person. They believed you are what you are, you see what you see, you live what you live, and then you die and you're just like Rover when you're dead, you're dead all over. It's just done and gone. Do you believe there's something beyond this world? I mean, when you die, do you believe that's it? Do you think it's just over? Or do you think there's something else? You know, it seems to me that we get pretty short-sighted in our life. I know young people that, you know, you try to talk to them and, and they do such foolish things because they can't see beyond Friday night. <laughs> you know, they, they can't see what the consequences are going to be of my actions, you know, six months from now, much less six years from now, right? That's very difficult. But aren't we the same way? Because don't we have trouble seeing beyond the end of this life? When we think about life, I mean, we get all focused on and stressed about and upset about and, and involved in everything going on here in this world. When Jesus said a good soldier, or Timothy said, a good soldier doesn't entangle himself in the affairs of this world. But yet we get pretty entangled in the affairs of this world because we don't see that there's something so much more so much greater, so much more real and long-lasting than what goes on here in this life. You know, we're all going to face tough things. And I'm 55. As I get older, you know, sometimes I've got a knee that just, you know, Carrie worked in an orthopedic surgeon's office for years, and we got in the airplane to go, and I said, hey, Carrie, my knee is kind of bothered. Because we think about this. As I get older, I realize this whole body's going to break down, isn't it? Some of you who are older than me, you know that, right? It's going to break down. And Solomon talked about that. He said the days are going to come when you're going to have no pleasure in it. You're going to get up in the morning and you're going to hurt and you're going to be miserable and you're going to lose the people you love and, and the people you care about are not going to be the way they always were and you can't do what you always could do. And Is there something more than that? 
I'm going to tell you there's something more than that. That's not what we were made for. That's the end result of a fallen world here on this earth. But there's something greater than that. These Sadducees, they didn't believe and understand that. And they thought they had figured out the great theological argument that would end all arguments and they could humiliate or embarrass Jesus in front of everyone by asking Him this question that there really wasn't a good answer to. The Sadducees said there was no resurrection, angels, or spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. Scripture says it's appointed for man once to die, but after this the judgment. And the resurrection, when we talk about that, is the reunification of the body and spirit, the raising of the dead. James said the body without the spirit is dead. That's what happens when you die. Your spirit leaves your body. You don't cease to exist, but your spirit leaves your body. But there will be a resurrection, a rejoining. Now this is not the same thing as the uh, Hindu belief that in reincarnation that you just come back to this world over and over as different people or animals or bugs or whatever it is you might come back as. It's not that. This is your body reunited with your spirit. And Jesus talks about this. Listen to their question now. They ask him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, this is in Deuteronomy 25, and it's called Levirat marriage. And the idea was this. If a guy dies and he has no kids, his brother was to marry his widow and have children to carry on his older brother's name. Okay, so the older brother's name would not die out. And that was just the law of Moses. It was a way that they provided for the widow who back in those days had no way to provide for herself. It was a way to provide for the man's name to go on. And that was the law of Moses. It was part of the law. My wife, when we ran across this years ago, she goes, boy, I'm glad that's not our law anymore. (laughs) Okay. But it was their law. Okay, so they bring this up. They say, Moses wrote to us, if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Okay, that's the law, Jesus. That's what Moses said. Now, there were seven brothers. By the way, I don't think this is true. I think they made this up. Okay, I think they made it up to try to come up with an exaggerated, impossible situation for Jesus to answer. He said there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children. The second took her as wife, and he died childless. So this guy, his wife dies, or he dies, and so his brother marries her, and then the brother dies having no kids. Then the third took her, and in like manner the seven also, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. So they finish it up. Number two marries her. Dies without kids. Number three marries her, dies without kids. Number four, number five, number six, number seven. He was probably pretty nervous marrying this woman, wasn't he? (laughs) He marries her, and they die without kids. They're both dead. They're all dead now. So Jesus, here's the question. In the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For all seven had her as a wife. So Jesus, if you say there is a resurrection, 
She had seven husbands, kids by none of them. We got a problem because how are they going to figure out whose wife she is? So here in resurrection land or heaven, you got a woman with seven husbands. How's that going to work? See, they believed they had Jesus in an impossible situation. What I want to talk about mostly is Christ's answer here. Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now what he says here is he says there's a difference. What you don't understand, Sadducees, is that this age is not like that age. That age is going to be different. That age isn't going to be like the world you live in now. It's going to be different. Different in some really fundamental ways. Different in some ways that we have a really hard time getting our mind around. The di- what's going to be different? Well, I want to share with you a few things that the Bible says are going to be different in understanding this. Number one, your body will be different. You're not going to have the same body you have. Now, some of us, we could stand to lose a few pounds. We could stand to do a little more aerobic exercise, right, and uh, build up the heart muscle. And now, some people I know, man, I mean, they are... They work out all the time and they take care of this body. And as we've already talked about, even Jack LaLanne died. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are or how good you take care of your body. You're going to get old and you're going to die. Your body's going to break down. But your body in heaven, after the resurrection, your body's going to be different. Look at what Paul described about this different body in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. So he uses an analogy. He says, when you plant something, you take some corn and you put it in the ground and you bury it, you know what happens to that corn? It rots, it dies. It's not alive anymore, yet something that is alive comes out of what died. He says, it's the same way with your body. You have this old body, you can't be raised unless you die first. That's got to happen. He says, and what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. He says, you see, when you put something in the ground... What you're putting in the ground is not what you're going to get out. What you're putting in the ground is just a seed. When you put that seed in the ground, then it becomes something else. One of the things I saw on this trip were some redwood trees. Have you ever seen a seed from a redwood? I have one at the house. I didn't bring it this morning. I should. They're tiny, tiny little seed. And what comes out of that tiny little seed is this huge 300 foot tall, 20 foot around tree. How does that happen? How does God do that? You know how God does it? I taught uh, biology and I taught uh, life science. I don't know how God does that. I'm not a science professional by any means, but 
I don't understand that. God just does it. But what I do know is this. If you don't plant that seed in the ground and that seed doesn't die, you're not going to get a redwood tree. You just won't. It has to die. And Paul's saying that's the, the law of life. And he says all flesh is not the same flesh. But there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. He says all these are different types of flesh. You don't get human flesh on a fish. And you don't get fish flesh on a human. Not to rock anybody's boat here or anything, but uh, there aren't really half fish, half people swimming around. Mermaids and mermen. That doesn't happen. You see, there are different kinds of flesh. God does that. How does God do that? I don't know. But God does that. He says, there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. He says, there's a difference in the stars. Some of you have seen the, the illustration where they start with the earth and then they back off and they show how big the different planets are and then how much bigger the sun is and then how much bigger all these stars are and they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and, and there's all these different glories of the stars. You can look at the sky at night and you can point at, you can see Mars because it's kind of reddish. You can see Venus. You can see the moon. They're all different. Why aren't they all the same? I don't know. It's just what God does. But they're different and God does that. And so he goes ahead with his story or his argument here. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and it is raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor and it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness and is raised in power. It's sown a natural body, and it's raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body, and there's a spiritual body. He says, there's going to be something different after you die when you're resurrected. You're going to be sown in corruption. That means it breaks down, it corrupts, it falls apart. And you're going to be raised in incorruption, dishonor, weakness, all these things a natural body is. And he says instead you're going to have a spiritual body. And that spiritual body, that spiritual body is going to have glory and power and incorruption. It's not going to fail. It's not going to break down. It's not going to get worse as you get older. It's going to last for all eternity. It's going to be different. Won't that be good? Don't you look forward to that? I tell you, I look forward to that. And that makes me be willing to say, you know what? Come on. I know a destruction has to come, but let's look forward to and hasten unto the coming of that day when I can have this. He finishes with this. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. I don't know what the spiritual body is going to be like. I know that it's going to be like Jesus. It's not going to corrupt. It's Jesus, He still had the holes in His hands, didn't He? You remember? He told, he told Thomas, touch the hole in my hand. Hold my side. It still had that. He could eat. He ate fish with the disciples on the, on the banks. But He could also just disappear out of their sight. I don't know. I don't know, but I know it's going to be great. makes the hair stand up on my neck just thinking about it. It's going to be 
a fabulous, fabulous thing. Do you know, that's not the only thing that's going to be different. Something else is going to be different in this land. And that is our relationships. Relationships are going to be different. I want you to notice this. Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. One thing we know about heaven is there's not going to be marriage. There won't be a marriage relationship. This morning I got here and... uh, was saying hi to everyone and Connie gave me a hug and her voice was all hoarse and she couldn't hardly talk and I said, what's wrong with your voice? She said, I've been yelling at Matt all week. <laughs> I said, well, I'll fix that this morning. <laughs> because you know what? In the day of judgment, Matt and Connie won't be married. Isn't that a frightening thought, Connie? That's a strange thought. That we won't be husband and wife. Carrie and I won't. That relationship won't exist in the future, in that resurrected time. What will exist? I don't know. But I know this. I know it'll be better. When we talk about this, Carrie says, I just can't, I just can't imagine, you know, being there and you being there and you not being my husband. I, I don't know what that's going to be like, I, you know, and it's frightening. But I was thinking, how do you describe that? How do you explain? Do we have relationships that change here in this world that go from good to better? Yeah, we do. Randall, you remember when you and Debbie were dating? I remember that. It was great, wasn't it? She was your girlfriend. It was awesome. He was proud to tell everyone she was his girlfriend. But it's a whole lot better to have her as your wife, isn't it? It was wonderful to have a girlfriend, but it's better to have a wife. You see, marriage is a wonderful blessing. The Bible tells us that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It's a a great blessing from God. But the relationships in heaven are going to be so much better because there's not going to be any of the problems. There's not going to be any of the conflict. There's not going to be any of the bitterness or the anger. There's not going to be any of the watching the other one get sick and die. There's not going to be any of that. That's not going to be there. The relationships in heaven are going to be closer with everyone than our closest relationship that we understand here on earth, and that's marriage. That's why Jesus says to these people, He says, you're you're fools. You're foolish. You don't get it. That age is not like this age. That age is different. You say, whose husband is she? She's closer with everyone in the day of resurrection than she is with the men she was married to here. You see, it's not the same. It's different. He says here, Neither can they die any more, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. He said we will be equal with angels. Now, I don't know what that's going to be like. I I suspect I won't have wings (laughs) and fly around. That's not what he's talking about physically. He says we're going to be like the angels. Do you know the angels don't marry? 
There's no marriage relationship ever recorded in the Bible of angels being married. Michael the archangel, Gabriel, they don't get married. They're angels. It's different. The relationship is different. And we are going to be like angels. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the angels long to look into these things. They look down at us and it talks about us being created lower than the angels. We were. We were created lower than the angels. And the ones that were created lower than the angels, God looks at angels who sin. And you know what He does to the angels that sin? He cast them down in chains to be reserved to the day of judgment. That's it. And then God makes man lower than the angels. And man sins, and you know what God does? He becomes a man and dies for them so He can make them a part of His family. And the angels go, What? Why would God do that? Because God is just a people lover. That's, that's just what He is. And we become the sons of God in the resurrection. Your piddly little scenario that you dreamed up, Sadducees, you're missing the whole point. You've missed it all. That that age is not like this age. We become children of God like the angels. It's not like it is here in this world. You know, another thing that's different is that life is different. Life is just going to be different. I have a suspicion, and I don't know how to figure this out. I've studied about it, and I've thought about it a lot. The Bible talks about eternal life. And to us, eternal means forever, right? It means it's never, ever going to end. But I, I really believe eternal life talks as much about the quality of the life as the length of the life. It's different life. Look what he says here. He says, nor can they die anymore. Not only won't you die, it's impossible for you to die. You can't die. Any of y'all ever see that movie Groundhog Day? Where the guy couldn't die and he just kept trying to die. I don't believe that's what heaven's going to be like, obviously. But you can't die. There's going to be a difference in the way your life is. That's why marriage is going to be different. You know, the fundamental purpose for marriage is companionship and providing children. That's what the Scriptures tell us in marriage, right? Well, why provide children? So life will go on, right? In heaven, nobody dies. We don't need more kids. No one's ever going to die. You're not going to have to continue the race. Because it's never going to end. Life will be forever forever and ever and ever and ever and the things that I do here on this life in this life determine where I spend that forever that little bit of time I have here on this earth needs to be filled with being sure I'm right for that forever Instead of being filled with, what am I going to do when I hit 70 and get to retire and live for just a few more years here on this earth? You see, the focus all changes. Scripture says this, if we have been united with Him like this in His death, 
we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. Have you been united with Jesus in His death? You know what that means? Jesus died to sin. And in the book of Romans here where this is from, He asks the question, can we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. Don't you know that when you were baptized into the death of Christ, you died with Christ? You were joined with His death when you were baptized into Him? And then you were buried with Him in that baptism and you were raised to walk a new life? You see, that's different. And that makes the people who are Christians, who've been united with Christ, that makes us different than all the rest of the people in the world who haven't been united with Christ. Because that union with Him guarantees that we will be resurrected. Look at what He says here. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. You know who's going to raise you up? Jesus Christ Himself. He said, if you believe in me, you've been united together in his death, you're going to live with him. He will raise you up. Now, when I think about all of this, I think back to when I was in college and I didn't have a real good answer to that friend of mine who asked me that question. I said, well, you know, it's just God's will and we should... That wasn't a real good answer to that. But I have a better answer now. And that answer is this. There's resurrection. When that final day comes and it's all over, then it's not all over. It's just all starting. It's just all the beginning. This resurrection of Jesus Christ. When He calls me out of that grave, being united together with Him, I will live forever with Him. And I'll have a body that doesn't get old and sick. I'll have relationships with everyone that are closer than the closest relationship I have in this world. And it will be impossible for me to die. And I will be forever with the Lord. I want to close with this passage here. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So here's where we end. You will be raised. Whether you like it or not, you have no say in the matter, you will be raised. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If you've been united together with Christ, you believe in His Son, you've done good, in joining yourself to the Son of God who is alive forevermore, you'll be raised to eternal life. If you've wasted your life here and you've done evil and you've not been united together with Christ, you will be raised to eternal damnation. And it doesn't matter what you've achieved here in this life. It doesn't matter where you lived or what beauty you saw or what misery you suffered. The only thing that matters at that point is are you right with God? Are you right with God today? We offer an invitation song. If you need to be right with Him, you need to be baptized into Christ or change something, you want us to help you pray, pray 
for you and, and assist you before God with. We offer this song of invitation. If you'll come to the front while we stand and sing.